good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life in the Sun. Welcome to those that are uh, online with us, and welcome the new visitors that are joining us here today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun. And today we're going to be starting a new series. It's called Future Hope. It's based on the book of 1 Thessalonians. And its intent is really to take everything that Van was kind of sharing with us this morning and, and capture it into a response from us that reminds us that we have a future and a hope, and, and especially with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because even though our wor world may be seemingly bleak, <laughs> and it may seemingly cause us hope and despair, this new series will help remind us that we have Christ and that he will one day come in glory and we live with this hope for our future and therefore have confidence in him. Amen. So this morning, uh, I just want to ask one simple question. Uh, if you want to go ahead to the next slide as we start our study in faith uh, in view of Christ's coming. So imagine right now you're a teenager and you're sitting at home on a Thursday, say Friday night, and your parents come in and they wanna take a vacation for the weekend, right? So they come in and they say, hey, we're gonna be gone for the weekend. Uh, you've been doing okay, so we trust that you're gonna be able to take care of things here at the house and we'll be back, say, Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is going to be awesome. I can be home alone, right? So now you start thinking about your teenage years. How were you when you were a teenager, right? You were ready to throw that block party, right? <laughs> you were wanting people to... Was that me? You were wanting people to come over and, and visit, and you're going to have a party, all this stuff, but... We think about how are we going to behave if we know that our parents are going to be gone for the weekend. But then we also want to think about what if they came home early? What if they came home when we weren't expecting it? How would we act? How would we think and feel? And, and I didn't share this this morning with the, uh, the first service, but I, I think it's, it's pertinent. I add it now. Um, you really have to take a look at whether or not you genuinely love your parents, right? Because if you genuinely love your parents, you're gonna, you're gonna care about what they care about, right? But if you genuinely care about yourself, you're gonna be thinking, I don't care if I destroy the house, we're gonna have a party and we're gonna do what we wanna do. And we'll just kinda, you know, uh, ask for forgiveness later. How many of us have heard the, the statement, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness later than to ask permission, right? Right? So that, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But first, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into the scriptures. Father God, we thank you that today you have given us another opportunity to go through your word and learn of your heart especially of your heart for us as your people here on earth during this time, during this point in history, with all the things going on in, in the world around us that may translate very close to home for many of us, Father, uh, in the way that we live, in the way that we perceive uh, the, the issues that are going on around us. 
We ask that you build within us and restore within us, Lord God, that sense of hope that one day you are going to return and set all things right. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to go ahead and start with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to re be reading through the uh, first chapter here, 10 verses. So this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way that we lived when we were with you. So you, you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. So if we go to the next slide... We see the map here of Paul's second missionary journey. And this took him from, all, this is uh, Jerusalem here. And we catch up to him as he's getting to this point, which is actually, if you look, it's the farthest away from uh, Jerusalem that he's been, right? Up until this point. And so he's coming from Philippi and he is coming into the, the seaport town of Thessalonica. Okay, it was a, it was a busy uh, place of commerce. Uh, a lot of people were living there. And as was his custom, he would go into the, the synagogue and he would share the gospel with those uh, other Jews that are going to be congregating there. And as a result, uh, there were some that, that believed in the words that he was speaking about Jesus Christ. Uh, but also it says that there was also a, a, a large number of prominent Greeks, many women. Uh, but unfortunately, as a result of the spreading of the gospel in Thessalonica, there was also a mob that formed because it says they became jealous. Right? So it, they, they didn't like the message that Paul was, was speaking because it took away from what they were trying to do. This was something new. So they were trying to get Paul and his, uh, his two companions out of the city. So they formed a mob, 
and they basically ran them out of town after preaching the gospel. So you can imagine, you know, as Paul uh, traveled on, it says, to Berea, he began to have some concern for the folks that he had left behind. Uh, in chapter 2, you're going to hear about how Paul thought of these people as his own family, that he poured out his, his, the gospel to them as, uh, and cared for them and nurtured them as a, as a mother, would, uh, mother hand would his, their, her own chicks. So here's Paul. He's got a deep concern. And so he, by the time he gets to Athens, uh, which is actually all the way down here, so he traveled all this time, and he's probably thinking, man, what happened to these folks, right, in, in Thessalonica? And his heart is like, what is, I, I want to I find out. So he sends uh, Timothy back, and he, and he says, please bring me a report back of, of how they're doing, but while you're there, build them up and, and, and help them in the faith, okay? And so Paul... Uh, while Timothy is gone, he spends all that time in Athens. Remember where he's you know, dealing with the, uh, those folks in Athens and, and reasoning with them and in the, the temples and the, uh, the things that happened there. Then he goes to Corinth, right? And so we're looking at about a few months later, Timothy catches up with Paul in Corinth, and he has a report. He said that not only were the believers in their uh, thriving spiritually, he, it says that they had become examples to the entire region. It's like, wow, only a few months prior to this, they were unbelievers. And then now, this word of their faith is coming all the way back to Paul, and only a few months later, the word is already getting out across the whole region about these people. So we got to think about, wait a minute, what, what's happening here? What is the most important thing that we can see from this? And we'll get into that, but I just want to cover uh, one last uh, tidbit of information uh, as, as we move forward for this series, okay? Uh, so the purpose that Paul wanted to, uh, to deal with there was to also be, reassure them that their loved ones who died in Christ would not miss out on the blessings uh, that involved, was involved with them in the coming of their Lord. And this letter is also unique in the fact that every chapter ends with a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, with an emphasis on hope and righteousness. And scholars believe that the, this book was written approximately 50, 51 AD, which was less than 20 years after uh, the Lord was, uh, re had returned back to heaven. So, not very much time. I mean, think, where, where were you at less than 20 years ago? Even 20 years ago, right? We can think about it. We can think about what was happening. And that would have been 2001, right? We were dealing with the first, or the second Gulf War, right? So, history is very tight in this, in this time frame. So, uh, if we go to the next slide, so the purpose of 1 Thessalonians is Paul's praise for the folks in Thessalonica for their steadfastness, uh, especially under persecution, that they remained faithful. 
and also to instruct them concerning righteousness and holy living, that there's a result, and to correct any misunderstanding about the second coming of Christ. So now, let's get into the meat of 1 Thessalonians. So next slide. So in this chapter, what we really see and witness is the birth of the local church. And there's four things that I just want to point out. Uh, and first, before we, we, we get into these, these four quick points, I want to establish the ground rule here that we're talking about genuine faith. Okay? Uh, you know, I don't know how, how many people have been through the, the Narita Airport. Anybody? Okay. Did anybody ever walk by the, the little section, the customs section there where it has like, you know, genuine Louis Vuitton purses yeah. and, and fake Louis? Yeah. How many can, people could really look at them and, and tell the difference? They look almost exactly the same, right? It's the same thing with our faith. You know, on the outside, our faith may appear to be genuine. But genuine faith, what is genuine faith? Genuine faith is what we, we, we've been singing about in our songs this morning. It's songs that believe that God is able to provide what he promised. It's honest reception of the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt, there's no wavering. It's genuine. I believe. That's genuine faith. So let's keep that in mind as we move forward. So we, we, we see here that they were open to the gospel. Their heart was open. We already know we have the scripture where it talks about the, uh, the soil of the heart, right? And it talks about having fertile soil, soil that is able to have the word implanted in it. So because of that, they received it, all right? And it, bare, it bore fruit, right? So they, they applied it. And as a result, God was faithful. He changed them. He was able to provide what he promised. Because remember, only a few months prior, these Thessalonians were unbelievers. They were lost. So genuine faith. I remember um, this was before I met Cindy. I was in Korea. And, you know, when you're single... Any, any single folks here? Single folks? We're all married? Okay, whatever. <laughs> we're always looking for that special someone, right? We're, we're, we're looking and we're looking and we're going, to, you know, and, and inside, you know, hopefully we're asking God, is, is, is that them? Is that them? Is that them? And there was a gal at the time that, that I had met at church and you know, things were progressing a little bit. We had gone out on dates, and, you know, she was a local Korean girl. And, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, this, this could be going somewhere. And so I prayed about it, and I was asking God, you know, of course, is she the one? And I didn't get a positive answer. I wasn't having that, that sense of peace in my heart that this, this was the one for me. And so I, I, you know, I had to kind of tell, hey, you know, maybe we're just better off being friends. But the sad part was, was she was already falling for me. And I had to break her heart, you know. But here's the, here's the thing. Whose heart am I going to try to honor? Hers, mine, or God's? If I'm not getting God's peace, it's not going to be genuine. 
It's not going to be something that I can build a marriage on because I'm always going to be looking at that marriage going, I never really received God's peace for that, that marriage. And it's going to rest in it because it means something to me. Right? There's this genuine love response that I have with God that this is going to be important for me. So this gospel, when we, when we respond to it genuinely, it will transform us. It doesn't reform us, okay? It, we're not under renovation, right? We, Cindy and I had a, you know, we, we renovated our house a few years back, and, you know, I remember going over the plans with the contractor, and it's like, we want to do this, 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 and this, you know, and all this stuff, so we had to rip out the kitchen, rip out the carpet, rip out the linoleum tile. We even had to rip out a wall, and if you know these Guam homes, they're built out of concrete, right? So these walls had to come down, and when they tore out the, the, the flooring, before they put the tile in, they noticed that there was this huge crack going from the, the kitchen all the way back through the living room, under the wall, into the bedroom. And the contractor came to me and said, you know, we're gonna have to uh, fix that crack before we can actually install the tile, because if we install the tile, the crack is just gonna reappear, and your tile's gonna be cracked. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, everybody watches HGTV and it's like, you know, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> but what's the point? The point is, is that even the foundation had issues. And that's us, church. Before we come to Christ, our foundation even has issues. So Jesus comes in not to rebuild us, not to add to us, not to fix the bad things. He's coming in to tear us down completely to the found, uh, even the foundation, not just to the foundation, but the foundation itself has got to go. Why? Because he's got to come back as the foundation and that everything is built on him after that. So because Jesus is rebuilding our foundation, then we find that our life and response is going to be living for him. You see, uh, this faith that we're talking about will not only stand the test of time, but will, it will stand the test of our present. All these issues that, that we're tired of. I mean, how many of us, you know, when we're listening to Van, we're like, yeah, brother, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I'm really tired of what is happening in this world. But could it be that God is allowing this stuff to purify us, his church? He's wanting us to really focus on what matters most. Is it him? Or is it the comfort and the peace that we're so used to here in this world? It's not going to be guaranteed to us. What's guaranteed is what God said is coming, which is his kingdom. You see, genuine faith, when birthed by the gospel, with uh, I'm sorry, genuine faith is birthed by the gospel with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Seasoned by the promise of the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, as it said in the scripture that we just read, whom God raised from the dead, and he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Trust me, church, what's coming in our judgment, if we don't know Christ, is far worse than what we could ever experience here on earth. That judgment is real. You don't want to stand before God one day and say, were you here, depart from me, I never knew you. Trust me, you're going, to, you're going to want to rethink everything in your life at that point in time. 
but it'll be too late. Grab a hold of Jesus now. Grab a hold of the gospel now. So genuine faith is God-centered. It's not self-centered. And so there's a question that I want to uh, propose to us as we begin to close. Is are we living for Jesus? Or are we simply living for ourselves? That's the test of genuine faith. Genuine faith is going to reject any time it's exposed to us that we're living for ourselves. Because why? Because of humility. We bend our knee before God and we say, Thy will be done, not mine. Just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. So how do we know whether or not we're in the faith? Let's go ahead and go to the next, next uh, slide. We all have seen this top verse, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God does want to provide everything to us, but what's the danger? The danger is we can begin to look at this verse as me, 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 me. God give me, God give me, 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 me. My whole life is about me. So God, I'm coming to you to get fulfillment for things that I want in my life. Not that God doesn't care about these things. He does. It says in his word that he cares about even the sparrow, right? But we have a tempered verse, which is James uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 2. It's uh, actually the second half of the verse. It says, you do not have because you do not ask God. True, right? But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God does not want us thinking solely about ourselves. It's about his kingdom. It's about us bending our knee and acknowledging that he is Lord. You see, we must never become too focused on what Christ does for us. But let us be transformed into focusing on living for him. Let's go to Psalm 127. This is the point that, that I want to leave us with. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Church, we're not called to toil for ourselves because that's the end. It's just what we get with our own hands and it's never enough. But if we put our hope in God and we allow him to be the one to build our house, he will give to us even in our sleep. Let's go to the next slide. Hey, we've seen that verse already this morning. Amen. Wow, you know, when Van got up here the first service and read it, man, I got chills. I was like, God, you're talking to us. So let's read one more time. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Nothing in this world will ever satisfy, ever. Even if you are getting the fulfillment of all your dreams and desires, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Genuine faith believes that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. 
You see, there's this fear in us that if we turn over our lives to God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But going back to the very first thing that I asked you this morning about, you know, if you left the house, I mean, if your parents left the house and left you alone, if you truly love them, it's not hard to turn down that thought in your mind saying, man, I could have a big party this weekend and probably get away with it unless they show up early. <laughs> and that's kind of what the whole theme of 1 Thessalonians is. is. Keep that second coming of Christ imminent in your heart. He could return at any moment. So we have to really look at what our hearts are being tuned into and turned into. You see, genuine faith versus double-mindedness, partial obedience, and hypocrisy. Let's go to the next slide. And, and that's in stark contrast when we think about what God is going to be delivering to us on the second coming, what he is going to provide, the kingdom and the fulfillment of it. When we live for ourselves, this is what we end up with. It says they, they will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. You see, we must apply faith, hope, and love. For the gospel results in, as we read in our scripture this morning, three things, three very important things. Faithful work, loving deeds, and enduring hope. The gospel brings joy through the power of the Holy Spirit in spite of the suffering we see in the world today. Much of what Van talked about, yeah, is tragic. You know, I was really disheartened when I, when I saw what happened in Afghanistan, especially me being uh, uh, a, uh, a veteran. It just broke my heart to know that we left even our own people behind without any kind of way out. It was it, it just mind-boggling. And then, you know, add to that the issues with the pandemic and everything that we're going through right now. Church, do not lose hope on who your Savior is. Do not lose hope in the imminency of his kingdom. Hang in there. Keep the faith. Run the race. Because the result is a life that brings God glory by being examples to the world around us. As Paul says, we become living epistles. So much so that nothing needs to be said about us because it's there for everyone to see, both in words and deeds. So let's just go ahead and close with these last two verses. 2 Corinthians 3, 2-3 says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. This was Paul's ministry when he went. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. That's why they grew. That's why their faith remained strong, because it was written in the tablet of their heart. It was a heart response. And then our last verse it says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. That's 
God's heart for us during this time is for us to remain planted next to him with our roots deeply implanted into him so that we remain steadfast and hopeful even though we may see the things going on around us. The only thing it's going to do is challenge us on whether or not our faith is genuine and there's nothing wrong with that. Paul said, test yourselves to see that you are in the faith. It's good to test yourself. Don't fool yourself. Make sure that you are keeping yourself in the hope of the gospel. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power, Lord, towards us who believe. Because it is your power. It's not our own. And Father, if there, you know, for all of us out here today, Lord, if, if we have lost focus and we have begun to put our faith and our hope in, in the outcomes of the things of this world or even the desires of our own heart as a result of coping with these things, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that you help us focus again once on you and allow you to be our refuge and our strength. And Father, I just want to address another group of people. If you're here this morning and you're hearing these words and you're like, maybe my faith wasn't that genuine. Maybe I am not really thinking clearly about what it means to surrender myself completely to the gospel. If that's you this morning and you just want me to pray with you and we'll go through it one more time and allow you to make things right with God. Or if you've never prayed before and you're realizing this morning that you need Jesus, that you want to make this transaction with him and receive the gospel. If that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, just go ahead and raise your hand and I will pray with you. And this goes for anybody out there online as well. If, if you uh, want to just go ahead and, and pray along with us. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son to die for me on the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you have provided a way of escape. That you have promised that in your second coming, Lord God, that you would make everything right. In fact, you already have made everything right. We're just waiting. We're just waiting for the outcome. And as a result, Father God, I give you my life. I give you my trust. I give you my hope. I give you everything. I allow you to come in and rebuild me from the foundation up. I repent of my sin. I turn to you for forgiveness. And I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. If you prayed that prayer this morning, uh, please come over to our one-to-one -one table. We would like to connect with you and give you a little booklet called One-to-One -to, -one to help build your faith and continue your journey with God. With that, be blessed and have courage. Remain strong and see you next week. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm rising up with ya, rising up with ya, rising up with ya, rising up with ya. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with ya, rising up, rising up with ya.
I'm 